I think going there this year, every year is different, but this year it really seemed like there's this, it's, it's almost like a wave that's about to break. And uh, people are so hungry, people are, they were so fired up for the Lord. And, and, and although the theme was ready, set, go, you could sense people are wanting to go. People are wanting to serve God. They're wanting to pay a price. They're wanting to do what God uh, wants them to do. And uh, although there were a lot of young people, um, and God is certainly um, raising up a new generation, doesn't mean if you're older, you've got nothing to do. We all serve God in our generations. And whatever age you are, you can put your hand up and say to God, I want to be used by you. Remember that Moses was 80 before he led the people out of Egypt. So he was farming sheep and doing all sorts of other things. And only when he was 80 to 120 years old did he lead the people out of Egypt and through the desert. So it's not too late for anyone. Amen? But uh, we really want to encourage you and just say, look, um, the, the picture I had this morning while we were worshiping here is there are seasons and there are times when God starts doing different things with the church. It's not just business as usual, just kind of go through the motions and, and that type of thing. But there are times when God starts moving in a new way, in a fresh way, and God calls people. And he's not a, he's not a favorite of anybody. It's to anybody that will put their hand up, God say, I'll use you. When, when Jesus called the disciples, I'll read it for you here in Mark, in Mark chapter 1 from verse 16. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who later had his name changed to Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. So these guys had a life. They had a job. They had an income. They had a business. They had a life of fishing, right? And uh, Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. They just left the family business and walked away. Why? Because Jesus came and said, follow me. And there's this picture of Jesus is just walking and he just says, follow me. And he just keeps going. I think, I think we want Jesus to come and say, hey, please come and follow me. And it's going to be all good for you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to help you to live the best life you can, that type of thing. And we go, yeah, but, uh, you know, I've got this job. I've got my father's business. Can't really leave right now. It's not a convenient time. Maybe come back in a few years. Let me talk to my dad and see if we can renegotiate our contract or whatever. Jesus doesn't do that. He's just... He is doing what he is doing. The plans of God are being fulfilled. And he's walking past and he just says, hey, come follow me. Come. 
and I'll make you a fisher of men. And I think there's, we are, we're either already in the season or we're about to head into a time where Jesus is going to do some amazing stuff. And right now, he's saying, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And it's up to us to say, okay, I'll get up, I'll follow you. What, what does that look like? I've, Jen keeps telling me, get practical, you know, give handles to people. You're always up in the clouds with vision and that type of thing. Give people handles. So I'm going to do that. What, what does it actually look like? Because we can sit here with our hearts and say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And then we walk out of here and nothing changes. And then a year later at the next equip, we've got people standing up here saying, hey, you know, this was greatest equip ever. And, you know, God is doing this, that, and the next thing. And nothing's changed for us. So what does it actually look like? If something is burning in your heart right now, what does it look like? Well, it looks like pretty much if I can sum it up, knowing Jesus and making him known. Pressing in on the Lord to know him. That means having time with God every single day. Reading your Bible every day. Coming to church every week. Being in fellowship. It's all a part of knowing Jesus. You cannot grow as a Christian if you're not in the Word of God. You cannot grow if you're not spending time with God. You cannot grow if you're not connected to the body. Because the body of Christ is not a jellyfish. Everyone, oh, I'm only connected to the head. No, you're connected to the elbow or the big toe or the ankle or the knee. That's how we're connected to Jesus, through a body. And if you're not in the body, you're not connected. Just telling you the truth. That's what it looks like from a knowing God point of view. Paul talks about... In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, he's sharing with Timothy about being a good soldier for the Lord, being a farmer, a hardworking farmer, being an athlete that runs according to the rules. And if you look at those three pictures, a farmer, a farmer operates their business really in faith. They buy seed, they, they, they till the ground, they fertilize the ground, they sow the seed, they dig out weeds and all that kind of thing, but they've got no control over whether that seed is actually going to produce a crop or not. It's faith. They're putting it in the ground hoping for a harvest. And to me, a Christian living like a farmer is living a life of faith, looking at what God said and saying, God, I'm trusting you for this. I'm trusting you to see people saved. I'm trusting you to see your kingdom advance. Because that's what he's said to us to do. And that can't happen without praying, without stepping out in faith. So what does it look like practically? It means prayer meeting. Amen. Can't put your hand up and say, ah, yes, Lord, I'll do anything for you, and then go, ah, well, Tuesday night I've got, got to watch the block. You know, that's more important than your kingdom. Because we can't do any of this stuff of the Great Commission without God supernaturally working through us. None of us can save a single person. None of us can heal someone. None of us can cast a demon out of someone. None of us can do any of these things that Jesus has called us to do without supernatural intervention.
So we have to come to God and we have to bring our requests to him and pray and say, God, touch our nation, touch our city, touch our government and save people in Wyndham and save people in Hopper's Crossing. Save those people living in those homes over there. Save the people in the, in the businesses, in the shopping center. Give us opportunity. And then off the back of that, we step out in obedience and be witnesses for Jesus. So yes, we carry on with our day-to-day work. And, but that's with the one hand. And with the other hand, we're looking for opportunities to see, to share the gospel with someone, to invite them to church. That's what it looks like to say yes to Jesus. Be an inviter. Be an encourager. Say, hey, come come and meet Jesus on a Sunday. Come and worship with us. God's doing incredible things. I remember as a, as a uh, when I first got saved, I think I was like 19, 20 years old, it never even occurred to me that I needed to be a leader in order to serve God. I just, I just had it in my mind, hey, Jesus has given me the Great Commission. I can just go and witness and invite people to church. And in my mind, I thought, there's no limit to that. I could bring a 1,000 people to church in my lifetime and never lead a home group. But somehow thinking gets into us, oh, I can't disciple anyone if I'm not a home group leader or if I'm not a pastor or if I don't plan a church. You, you can disciple thousands of people right where you are now, what's stopping you? Amen? If Jesus has said go, who am I as a leader to say no? I'm not going to do that. If you, if, literally, if you start bringing hundreds of people, there's no ways I'm ever going to say stop doing that because I will never supersede Jesus in stopping what he's said. And he's already said all authority has been given to him, therefore go. You have permission to go and meet people, talk to them about Jesus, invite them to church, disciple them if you want, bring them to your home group, bring them to prayer meeting. There's nothing stopping us. Let's, let's do it. That's part of what it looks like to, to put our hand up. The other thing is that there is a... Um, There is a reality to that every church is unique. Not right or wrong, just just unique. The way I look at it is like a basketball. A basketball has lines that go around it. They go from one point at the bottom, kind of, to the same point at the top. So if you picture, as New Gen, we are on one of these lines going around the ball to Jesus following Jesus. But another church might be on the other side of the ball with a line going around also to Jesus. But they have a different vision from the Lord. And when you get a vision from the Lord, God gives an anointing in order to see it happen. He goes, he goes to Moses or, or the Israelites back in the day, I'm going to set you guys free from Egypt. And he gives them the ability to do that. Now, you couldn't find some other group of people just put their hands up and say, hey, we also, we want to get set free from our country that we're in. We want to do the same thing. It's up to God to say, well, this is what I want to do, and he, he then enables them to do it. It's the same with churches. 
Some churches have a major focus on reaching the poor. Some churches have a focus on their worship. Some churches have a focus on planting or going to the nations or sending missionaries or whatever it is. It's just that's their unique vision that God has given them. We all love Jesus. We all want to see people saved. It's only through Jesus. It's only the cross, the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. That never changes. But style and vision can change. And so here's what I want to say. In order for, for you to really understand what we're on about as a church, one of the best things you can do right now is not just coming on a Sunday, but come to prayer because you're going to pick up something of our heart for nations. comes through very strongly. The other thing is, if you can, try and get to the equip times. In Sydney, we have one once a year, and what it, what it will cost is, is, I'll break it down for you. Yeah, I'm trying to be practical, right? Um, at the moment, normally the registrations are about 100 bucks a person. Till midnight tonight, they're 50. So if you register this afternoon, they're 50 bucks. And 50, Shelly, they're pouring water on my 55, apparently, okay? <laughs> anyway, you're getting a major discount, okay? But that's only till midnight tonight. After that, they're more. And the reason there's a registration cost is because obviously there's costs involved in putting on this uh, equip time. And although GGC in Sydney do a wonderful job, they, they, they pay a price. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, they, they do an incredible job. They, there's food and snacks and water. There's welcome packs and registrations. You get a lanyard and all this kind of stuff. There's heaps of work that goes into it. So the registration costs are to cover some of that. So that's, that's a cost. The next thing is how do you get to Sydney? Some of our guys drove this year and some, some people flew. The equip is from the 14th to the 16th of August. So it's a Wednesday, full day, Thursday, full day, and Friday, full day. Some people flew in on Wednesday morning. They caught the 6 o'clock dawn red-eye flight, flew into Sydney. It's about an hour, hour and a half flight. Landed there at, say, 7.30, caught an Uber or a taxi to the venue and then checked in later into their hotel or motel or Airbnb. So, so flights, flights or driving... It's up to you as to what you want to do. You will need to take those three days of leave. So if you go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you can come back then on the Saturday. So it's only really going to cost you three days of leave from your work. You don't need a full week's leave. You just need the three days. It's, it's going to be like that next year. So all up probably, uh, I don't know, it depends on what you do, but probably around about a 1000 bucks somewhere there, maybe, maybe a bit more uh, per person because you'll have to sort out your food and that type of thing. In, the, in each day, they start at 10 o'clock. There's a lot of worship, a lot of singing, a lot of prophesying and ministry and all sorts of stuff happening. And then one of the, one of the people on the NCMI team will preach 
and uh, and there'll probably be some ministry after that. That session is like 10 to 11.30. Then there's a half an hour break. Then there's another session which is shorter because there's no worship. It's just a preach and ministry. Then they break for lunch at about 1 o'clock. And normally what guys do is either you walk over the road, there's a restaurant there, or you walk up a block and there's a street called Norton Street. It's full of restaurants, all different kinds of food. I mean, if you want like grilled or something just more generic, there's stuff like that. But if you want Malaysian or Irish or whatever, they've got Italian places. There's all kinds of food there. And every, everybody, the wonderful thing is you get to meet people in other churches. And it's so encouraging to meet other believers who are in different parts of our nation also hungry for God and and wanting to serve God. It's just it's such an encouraging thing to be able to get together with other people. And then you have lunch. And then this year what was different is they had workshops in the afternoon. And actually they were really, really good. Um, so they did they did workshops on all sorts of different things. There there were there were probably about five workshops every day. So over the over the three days, about fifteen different topics. And they were from things like, like, like on marriage, on you know, evangelizing, on ministering to people with miracles or deliverance or prophecy or church administration or conflict resolution, all sorts of things, church planting. You could just choose what you wanted to go to, and they broke out into different rooms. And then there was a bit of a break after that till the evening session, so you could either go back to your hotel or motel, um, have a bit of a break, and then the evening session was kind of another extended period of worship, another message and some ministry, and then 8.30, you're done. We went and ate out after that every night. Um, So that's kind of like the format of every day. And what people did is there there is some limited accommodation close to the venue, but otherwise it's on Parramatta Road, which is a very, very, very busy street, a lot of buses going up and down there. So we stayed about a 25-minute walk on the one side. Other people were staying the same distance on another side. But what we didn't realize is they were just catching the bus. There's about four different buses. You just stand at the bus stop and wait for the number that you need. And they were coming like every three three or four minutes. Tap on with your credit card. Tap off when you get to GGC. There's a bus stop right outside. And it cost them like a dollar ten per trip. So it was really worth it. Come in in the morning, hang around all day, go back at night. And then, um, yeah, so there's those kind of options. Um, so the accommodation, uh, the flights, and all that kind of thing. I think you'll get away with around about a thousand bucks. So you need to. So what I would encourage you, if you are feeling stirred in your heart, book it today. Because why wait? Why wait till like next year, July, to see if you're going to go? Just go. Okay, it's half price now. I'm just going to book it in faith. Take a step of faith and say that's it. And then figure out the rest as you go. Closer to the time you book your accommodation, your flights. And, and also have in the back of your mind, keep leave available. It's no good saying, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. And then because of bad planning, you've got no leave. It's like, well, 
That's a simple thing, just to make sure you've got enough leave available and, and come along. Some of the guys, uh, I would encourage you also, bring your kids. Like this, God's doing something with, with uh, the younger generation. And uh, some, our guys, Claudia and Mario, they brought their kids, and they're only in grade uh, six and three, I think. So they came and they just, uh, they were in the meetings. They just had stuff to do at the back. Uh, we'll see what they do next year. Hopefully there'll be a kids program. But you can bring your kids. And if they're 12 and up, they're in the equipped with the adults. So there were lots of that. And I think it's a tremendous thing for young kids, especially teenagers, to see that kind of thing going on. For them to see other teenagers just going for Jesus is is so valuable for our kids. You know, they look at us parents and go, well, yeah, you love Jesus, but all my school friends don't. But they're seeing it, seeing other kids their own age just going for it. It's so encouraging for them. So anyway, that's just our encouragement is just make some plans in place. I, I really believe Jesus is, is, there's something stirring. And I think that in a year's time, this church is going to look very different. There's going to be a lot more people. There's going to be a surging forward in God. I remember many, many years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, but I had this picture that God gave me of me um, steering a like an old Spanish galleon type of ship, one of those old massive ships with the sails. And I remember the ship just kind of stalling because the wind died out. And it just lost momentum, came to a standstill. And I clearly heard God say, don't change direction to the left or the right. Don't try and make something happen because when the wind comes, the thing's just going to lurch forward. And you don't want to be sideways and the wind comes and just blows the ship over. And I feel like there's a stirring happening in God. And I feel like we're all in the ship and it's gonna, there's going to be a surge happening but the person that's standing on the deck just walking, oh, this is a nice church. Oh, this is great, you know. Coming here and there, half involved, half not. When that ship lurches, chances are you're going to go overboard and land up in the water. But if you, if you brace yourself, if, you, if you're fully involved, connected, tie yourself to the mast if you have to. <laughs> you're going to come with us on an exciting journey. Whenever I look at the, the mission that God's given us, I never think, hey, you know what? We're doing well. We've got a church of 100 and whatever, whatever, whatever. I always think like this, and maybe I'm weird, but this is how I think. I think we live in a city of 330,000 people in Wyndham, let alone Melbourne. Just in Wyndham, how many of them are Christian and how many still need to be reached? That's what I'm thinking of. The hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are yet to be reached. And we've got to have room for them. If God wants to bring them, we need to open our hearts and say, hey, you know what? If we have to grow, if we have to expand, if we have to have more chairs or if we have to go downstairs or whatever, get more rooms available, are we ready to grow with what God's got for us? Are we thinking like that? Are we thinking like a farmer? We're going to plant seeds. We're not getting one-to-one -one back. We could have one seed to a hundred harvest back. That's how crops come up. Are we thinking like 
an athlete, training ourselves, disciplining ourselves. Lord, this is important. I'm going to spend time with you. Not legalism, but training. Athlete. Spend time with the Lord in prayer. Spend time in the Word. Make sure, prioritize, getting together, being in fellowship, meeting with one another, having each other over in our homes, discipling people, what's being said. All of that is important. And are we thinking like a soldier? You know, we're not about the world's business. A soldier doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. A soldier is thinking, what has the commanding officer, what, what are their orders? What must I do? And we have the plan from God. We know what he wants us to do. We don't get tied up in this civilian affairs, the, the, the things of the world. We're foreigners. Amen? That's what the Bible says. You are a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. For 30 years, I've been a foreigner on earth. I live like a foreigner. It's not my home. I can go any country in the world. doesn't matter. It's not my home. My home is there. I'm a citizen of heaven. When you think like that, it changes things. <laughs> so uh, you, can, you can jump online. Uh, if you go to ncmi.net, they're not up there yet, but they will be. All the, all the sessions will go up so you can have a listen, get a feel for what's happened. But I'd really encourage you, if something is stirring and you just book, get on there. Actually, how do they register? Okay. Or we could send an email out. Maybe we'll do that. We'll send an email out this afternoon. Uh, is there a QR code? Go to Hannah. Hannah will help you. Hannah will pay for you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> now everyone's going, eh? Hey. Hey. We'll, we want to pay a price for Jesus. Amen? But uh, if you, uh, I think there's a QR code. You scan it and it'll just bring up the link. So if you need that, Anna's got it. Actually, I've got my, I've got my lanyard, so I think I've got it there. Will that work or not? No, something else. Okay, forget about what I've said. <laughs> Don't follow me. Follow Jesus. <laughs> yes. Okay. How much time have I got left? Okay. Just, just for... Just for a couple minutes, um, maybe you are new to NewGen and you're wondering what is NCMR, who, who is NCMR? Whenever people ask me, what type of a church are you, what denomination are you a part of, it's always a difficult conversation because people think in terms of denominations. They think Catholic or Anglican or Baptist or even Pentecostal or Charismatic or whatever. This... This is who we are. We are a Christian church, but we are independent. Okay? We're not a part of a denomination. If you look at the New Testament, there were no denominations. It only came later. Okay? Um, we are an independent, locally led or locally governed church. So nobody, we, we don't have a head office that we can go to and say, hey, we need money for a new building or we need another pastor or because this one's rubbish, you know, that type of thing. We can't do that, okay, because we are, we are it. 
Okay? <laughs> now we stuck with me, like it or not. Unless God moves me on, you stuck. Deal with it. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. So our finances are our finances. There's no, there's no outside support to anything else. We have to trust God for whatever we feel God has given us vision to do. Same as GGC. They've just had a major breakthrough in their building. Buildings in Sydney are incredibly rare and incredibly expensive. It's hard to get a venue that can seat a couple of hundred people. It's incredibly difficult. And so this building popped up for the princely sum of 12 or something million dollars. And uh, they needed to buy the building. They, they, they were given a bank loan, but they had to come up with a $2.7 million deposit by, by like a week ago, I think it was. Anyway, God came through for them. But they couldn't go to anyone else and say to like NCMI, because there is no NCMI. There's no headquarters. There's no phone number. You, you can't phone NCMI. <laughs> NCMI is like a team of people. So let's just say Trevor and Siri and Joan Shelley Let's say they were part of the NCMI team. You could, if you wanted to contact NCMI, you just have to speak to one of these guys. That's all it is. It's just a team of people, like in the New Testament, Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, Timothy, Luke, Mark, these people traveling around, encouraging churches, helping them bring through leaders, helping strengthen them at their own expense not paid by the churches. They did it because God called them to do. That's exactly what it is. So there's no kind of organization. It's just a team. And they're all over the place. They're all in different countries, in different churches. And we travel as we feel led. But our heart is to encourage and build strong churches. That's really all it is. And so... Um, Leo and them and Christine at GGC, they couldn't go to NCMI and say, hey, we need 2.7 million. We're hosting the equip every year, like help us, you know. They had to just trust God for themselves. And if God had given them the vision, God's going to supply. That's, that's how we believe. If God asks you to do something, he will supply whatever you need. If he says to you, go plant a church in Monaco, you go, well, I need a $5 million apartment. Otherwise, I can't live there. That's the cheapest. If God calls you to go there, he will provide. You know, if he calls you to go somewhere else and it's, you need less, God will provide. Whatever you need. Uh, if you need to witness to a neighbor or whatever, and you're like, I don't know what words to say, then just trust God. He will give you the words. He'll give you the right thing. And it might, you might walk away thinking, that was so silly. Why did I share that silly example? But that was the thing he needed or she needed. That's how God works. And so as a local church, we, we're a Bible-believing church. We fully believe in the Bible. We believe that this is God's Word. It's not man-made or anything. And we believe all of it, right from Adam and Eve all the way to the new heaven in Revelation 22 or whatever, whatever the last chapter is. And, and so we, and our desire is just to see God's kingdom advance. 
And we recognize we're just a part of the puzzle. We are reaching unique people. The Catholic Church are reaching unique people. The Anglicans are reaching people. The Baptists are reaching people. We've all got different styles, different flavors, but we appeal to different people. Some people like this kind of a look, and they like our multiculturalness and that type of thing. Other people want more traditional-looking building, and that's fine. But we, we're all on that same mission, trying to reach different people. But the thing is, we are running in a lane, like around the basketball. And so in order to really get the heart of who we are, if you come to these equip times and even the local ones, there'll be some local ones like in Melbourne and that that we'll let you know about. You start to understand, oh, this is who we are. You know, you start to pick up a heart for it. So I'd really encourage you, try and get to as much of this stuff as you can. It'll just help you to understand what page we're on and why God has called us to do. You go, why do we go to Cambodia? Why don't we go to Africa? I've got a heart for Africa. Well, there's other churches that have a heart for Africa, but Southeast Asia is on our back door, so that's where God has put on our heart. But if you come to these things, you'll understand more of why we have a heart for that. And it just helps. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And so, and it's not always that one is wrong and one is right. It's just one could be focused on this and one could be focused on that. It helps with walking together with us if you understand our heart and values. We're not saying we're right and others are wrong. We're just saying this is who God's called us to be and we're sticking to it. So I'd really encourage you, if you're feeling something stirring, this book in faith will come and get the QR code from Hannah or we'll, we'll send out an email this afternoon. And come along to it. Bring your friends, bring your kids. They'll love it. It's a fantastic time. And, and next year, March, come with us to Cambodia and to Nepal. If you, if you have leave available, uh, we're going to try and go regularly. We do try and go once a year. COVID's kind of knocked us. But, um, so even if you can't come next time, maybe plan for the future. But it's a good thing also just to come, come to the nations with us and just be exposed to the bigger picture. It's a good thing. Let's stand and we're going to close in prayer. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you uh, that you are leading your church and uh, you, are, you have a wonderful plan and a, and a future for us. And, and Lord, at the moment, we're just seeing that you are really stirring up uh, young people in particular. And we're excited to see that. I think that's a healthy thing uh, for, for a whole new generation to be raised up and to be released in serving God. And we, but we also pray, Lord, all of us, we're still, we're still going to be involved. We're still relevant and we have a part to play. And help us, Lord, to say yes to you. Help us to, uh, to discipline ourselves. Help us to, to get fully involved. Um, and help us to be a witness, to shine for you wherever we go, in our schools, in the unis, in our workplaces, in the shopping centers, in our neighborhoods. Let us shine for you, Jesus, and be a witness to the good things that you've done in our lives. 
Pray for just a fresh anointing upon all of us. Pray your blessing upon us as we go into this week. And give us opportunities, Lord, to speak about you to others and show the love of Jesus to them. We'll pray all this in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.